Hey everyone, this is Josh with Spurgeon Maniacs to share how you guys can partner with us. First off, thank you to everyone who has been listening to our show and to those of you that came to our conference. We are gearing up to expand what we do for you guys, but we need your help. Go on over to patreon.com forward slash Spurgeon Maniacs. We would love to have your support to continue doing this podcast, conferences, and so much more as we grow. Also, give this podcast a five-star review on Apple or Google Podcasts. That's how more and more people are going to find what we're doing over here. Lastly, come find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and don't forget to email us at podcast at SpurgeonManiacs.com. Now, here is your episode. Charles Spurgeon was a man that God used, and millions are still being impacted by his kingdom work. As we examine his life and ministry, we hope to strengthen today's church and bring glory to Christ. My name is Joel Littlefield, lead pastor of New City Church in Bath, Maine, and I'm joined by my brother in Christ, Josh Whitney. Welcome to the Spurgeon Maniacs podcast. episodes. Mm-hmm. This is an apology to all of our fans. All of our fans, all of you guys who have just been relying on us. We've been laying you down. Yeah. So we quit. <laughs> like, this, is, this is getting really down. Oh, man. Did you have a horrible day? How was your day? My day was fine. So I went to, I live, so if anyone outside of Maine doesn't understand, but I basically spent uh, about seven hours in the truck. So I went to Raymond. Then from Raymond, I went down to uh, Buxton. No, I'm sorry. Buxton? I went down to Old Orchard Beach. What? And then from Old Orchard Beach, I went to Buxton. And then Buxton, I went to Yarmouth. And then I went back to the Chelsea office after that. So I, I spent I spent a lot of time in the vehicle for about a half hour of office work. And then I came. Then I went home. And now you're here. You went home. I went home. And yeah. Back, okay. To see Sarah. I yeah. like her. And then uh, while I was there, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. And then my carpenter called me with an issue. And then I had to check with the homeowner. And then once I checked with the homeowner, I called my carpenter back. And that's why I was 10 minutes late. Yeah. 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 It's okay. I'm terrible it's, at being on time. Well, and I, I want to be better <laughs> about it. I made it. I made a post on social media, but, it. but it wasn't about you. I promise. <laughs> The, like, there, there are man, times. You can talk to me about this, Joel. <laughs> I promise you, it was not about you. But I would. <laughs> it happens all the time where I'm like, somebody's gonna think this is to them, but it isn't. Maybe the first person I that promise did you. It, it was not about changing plans. Well, I will guarantee. I can guarantee before. <laughs> I won't, and I won't promise. 
Don't promise. Because we know what Jesus says. I just believe you. Yeah, believe me. Um, no, this is that stuff about excuses has been on my mind ever since uh, before the men's mm. event we had. Just yeah. I mean, you remember when Michael Foster said that, right? Where he's like, "You don't make excuses. Like if you're late." Oh don't, yeah. Don't blame traffic. You didn't yep. get up on time. I've I've literally had yeah. when he said that I've had that thought all the time. Like, geez, ah, traffic, and I'm like, yeah, but yeah, the traffic didn't make me 15 minutes late. Right. Maybe it made me five. Yeah. But there was 10 other minutes because I wasn't prepared or for thinking sure. through. So we, that yeah. hit home for sure when he said that. It, I think that hit. Probably, the whole hopefully it hit home for so by I the way i have been talking to michael now. foster i doubt he listens to us right now but we are almost there to where we are scheduling a time with him for oh, this sick. for this yeah so we've talked back and forth on messenger and we're thinking we're going to just dive into like what, what spurgeon and manhood mm-hmm. like and just try to come up with a bunch you think of he things. had an opinion on that throughout his uh, writings I'm about sure. masculinity manhood uh, responsibility i'm not even sure if he knows if it's good to be a man or not <laughs> It probably does. I mean, that book just came out, so he probably didn't know that it was good to be a man. Yeah, so maybe Michael Foster will be on with us soon. We'll set up a time. Uh, That'll be a good interview. And, uh, man, just excited to be here in the studio with you. In our, we're gonna get we're gonna get it named like all those cool people that have been sponsored and they have the name for the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the Spurgeon Studio, I guess, right now, right? Spurgio. The Spurgio. <laughs> Whoa! Really? I said it sounds like. Not that that sounds. It's a spell, but Spurgio Bartonum. I don't know. Sounds like a. It's funny. Anyways, not that I listen to Harry Potter. Obviously. Yeah. That's of the devil. Street. Street. Yeah. Darkness. All right, man. Want to talk about Spurgeon? Let's do it. Uh, this is good. It's going to be good. I'm really excited about uh, this, this subject to talk about. And actually, I think some of it will lend towards maybe talking a little bit about manhood and responsibility mm. and mission. Because uh, the topic we're looking at is uh, sermon number 15 in this Lost Spurgeon Sermons. And it is uh, the, the manuscript is titled Christ About His Father's Business. And so he dives into this uh, short little text in Luke. And that's what we're going to look at. So in this particular outline of Spurgeon's lost sermons. We're given the opportunity to talk about the work of Jesus Christ, specifically in relation to the sending and commissioning of God the Father. Um, It's one thing that I remember hearing when I first studied through the Gospel of John years and years back, just the number of times that it says, and the Father sent me, the Father sent me, the Father Mm -hmm. sent me. You just get this idea of uh, focus and mission. And so this isn't really, there's no small detail in the doctrine of Christ and his redemptive work. Jesus came to earth to dwell with humanity, to take upon himself the shame of our sinfulness. But how did he get here? And whose business was he attending to? That's what we're really talking about. So we know he came. That's Those are things we can just sort of, I guess, accept and take for granted. Yeah, he's here. He came. He did this work. But he was on a mission. He had... He probably had a motorcycle. Just... He would have. Just letting the Harley pass. That's pretty masculine. I should have just kept talking through the Harley. So anyway, (laughs) so how did he get here and whose business was he attending to? So we have before us in this outline three 
headings from his sermon, and they read like this. Number one, Spurgeon brings out this point, how Jesus did his father's business. Number two, how Jesus now does his father's business. And number three, how Jesus shall do his father's business. So in this sermon, he looks at this comprehensive picture of the business and the work of Christ. And so we have this uh, look at a, at a small scripture in Luke and it's this I, this time of teen, the teenage Jesus replying to his mother and father after being found in the temple in Luke 2.49, uh, not to steal the scripture uh, segment, but he says this, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And the King James Version renders this, that I must be about my father's business. So um, here's a, a, a quote from Spurgeon. The task is not irksome to him. There are some men who, if they distribute to the poor or if they comfort the fatherless, they do it with such reserve, with such coldness of spirit, that you can perceive that it is but the shell of the man that acts and not the man's whole soul. But see our divine Lord. Wherever he walks, you see his whole self in flame his whole being at work. Not a single power slumbers, but the whole man is engaged. So that's one aspect we can look at that, well, one, one thing that Spurgeon brings up in a, actually another sermon that you can find a manuscript of online where Jesus is looking at a similar topic um, where, he, where you find this quote, the whole self. And so let's, we'll dive into that later. Uh, another thing I want to talk about later in the episode is how, how we are to follow in his steps with our lives. Jesus was not lazy. Mm. Jesus knew his mission. Jesus had business to attend to and he stayed engaged in the work under the pressures of life. In his humanity, he had all the he had the pressures that we have, but he stayed engaged and he stayed about the work. Jesus was committed to the work that his father gave to him. He was full-spirited, one might say. So Spurgeon, uh, he points out an interesting way to test whether a man is full-spirited in his work and calling. And he, two things that he brings up in uh, a sermon that I found online, anger and weeping. This is interesting. How, one way to test a man's business, whether he's about the business of God, is in his anger and his weeping. What makes him angry and who or what does he weep for? Hmm. Isn't that interesting? It is. What makes you angry? And who or what does he, does he weep for? So we can bring that up later as we talk about it. But let's, let's move into the scripture segment, give you some opportunity to share some texts with us. What does the Bible tell us about the business of Christ? Well, I think uh, as we're already pointed out when you mentioned Luke is that he does say he is doing his father's business ever mm. since he was a child. Like, why? Where, where would you expect me to be? So... <clears throat> We can find a lot of that in John. John's a very Christology book. Uh, Christological. Christolo- yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Yep. Yeah, it's fine. I spent a lot of time in the truck. That's my excuse. That's right. Heat, uh, yeah, heat wave, heat, heat uh, fatigue, heat, heat something. F- driving fatigue? Heat fatigue? Well, was it hot in the truck? No. Well, if it was, then you would have a better excuse. Oh, no, I, it was. It was so hot in the truck. <laughs> So John Continue. talks about uh, John talks about this in multiple places. That's predominantly we'll all be driving or deriving those scriptures from John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish 
his work. Mm. Then later on, John six thirty eight, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, uh, but the will of him who sent me. And then even in, well, I will kind of just briefly mention Mark as instances where the father spoke down to Jesus or spoke down to the people when Jesus was there about, about him. Mm. Like, this is my beloved son. First time there was great Craig on Sunday pointing those things out. The first time he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then at the transfiguration, he says, this is my son. Listen to him. Mm. Um, So he's very clearly doing the will of the father. One of the greatest parts, John 17, um, and well known as the high priestly prayer. This is when Jesus prays for his people, the people that the father is giving to him because it starts with the father. The hour has come glorify your son that the son may glorify you. So even in this prayer where he's petitioning to the father for the people that he is being given, he is still requesting of the father for his will. To, to do this thing. He's not acting as like, hey, I'm about to do this thing for you um, because that's what I'm going to do. But it's more more so this communion, this relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Um, so very first starting out there. And then in verse 5, now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Mm. So never taking anything else upon himself or demanding anything else from himself, but still requesting of the Father for that glory that he had when he was uh, when he was with him in heaven before coming to earth. Mm. Um, and all of this, I mean, you can just read through this whole prayer, and it is of of uh, modesty mm. and of humbleness, humility, that he is not one going about his own will or going about his own glory, but understanding that his role coming down to earth was to fulfill what the father had planned and the, as well with the son. And all of that will be for the glory of God and not his own, his own will. Amen. So those, yeah, going, going through John really encourage you guys to, if you haven't spent a lot of time in John 17, that's a great, that's a great, prayer to read of Christ and understand his character and understand who Jesus was in relation to the father and in relation to us. Mm. That's the real Lord's prayer. Yeah. That's yeah, the real yeah, one. That's the real, that, that should be called the Lord's prayer. Yes. The Lord's yeah. prayer should be called something else. Yeah. Like <laughs> the Lord's model prayer. The Lord's model prayer. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I agree though, man. Like that's a great place to go just to be encouraged because Jesus is actually praying for us. Mm. Like those who will be in my fold. He even he talks about the future Gentile believers that will come. Um, so it's kind of cool to think that our sovereign God praying there with, you know, before his actual disciples on earth had us in mind, man. He's such a good and perfect intercessor. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So we have a lot of things that we can bounce back and forth and talk about. One of the things that... Um, Ooh, oh, go. This last one. Boom. I forgot it, but it popped out right in front of me. Yeah. So here's his mission in that prayer, mm-hmm. more so than everything else, is 17 verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Yeah. So it was the Father's name that Jesus was sent to proclaim... Um, and so now they're all glorified through him because of the Father. 
Awesome. Miss that. Yeah. Continue. No, that's good. Yeah. We, um, we have a lot we can look to as an example in Christ, keeping, um, on track with the mission of the father, doing it perfectly, only saying what the father gave him to say. There's all sorts of things that we can do. Um, what is, uh, really impressive about this text that Spurgeon picks and expounds on is this little tiny uh, snippet of information about the the teenage Jesus. And so those of you who are listening and don't know the story, it's just a, a snippet of time. We have, I think it's 13-year-old mm-hmm. uh, Christ, and this seems to be a pivotal moment, which is why Luke uh, would have uh, brought this up and brought it forward, because something was going on in the humanity of Christ, that at this time, at his 13, uh, age 13, he's becoming a man in the eyes of um, the Jewish culture, at least. This is around the time you'd have the bar mitzvah. And there's a realization that Jesus has that I've got a mission that's different. And, uh, and now's the time to tell my parents and tell every like, this is, hey, I'm about my father's business. And so one of the things that happens in the text is... Um, the reference is given to Joseph, like, like, hey, your father and I were worried. Hey, we were looking for you, mm-hmm. and we looked for you in all the places that you might normally look for a thirteen-year-old. Where were you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we we checked we checked the playground. Uh, we looked at we these, the you know, courts, we went to courts. we went to all your friends' houses. You where were? And so, like this, all out of nowhere. Then Jesus, is like, well, didn't don't you know? Mm. Like, my I have a I have a father who's in heaven. And it's his business that I'm about, which is really cool. So um, there's a lot of things in that that we can use to fight against uh, sin and and see the example of Christ. So let's start there in that discussion. I thought it'd be good. And even maybe the conversation can track, continue to track with this conversation about men and manhood and the responsibilities that husbands have. We can speak mm. to that as husbands, responsibilities that men of God are supposed to have, but then just in general, Christians. So what sin, what sins does this example of Christ being so focused, even at 13, uh, about his father's business and even sort of putting a stake in the ground saying, I have work to do, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to do this. What are some things that can this, this can help us fight against, I guess? Yeah. So first one would probably just as doing the work is just laziness itself. Yeah. He, you know, not, there's a difference between rest and laziness, but no one ever came upon Jesus as he was lazy. Yeah. <laughs> like I was trying yeah. to think of an example, but just, yeah. just messing around and then like, oh, don't we have work to do? Like, mm. well, we'll do work later. Yeah. Uh, he, he was mission. He was mission centered, mission minded. Yeah. Um, he only had a, a short amount of time to do the will of the father. And so you always saw him fulfilling that. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So we fight against laziness. Um, I think even uh, like a false or fake Christianity, we, we, we believing this, seeing this and holding to it wholeheartedly, I think can help Christians kind of not walk the line of being a pretender. Mm-hmm. Like, because Christians that aren't engaged in the mission, you are walking that line. Like, are you truly a Christian? Mm. If you're not living out the mission and doing the work, you are, you have a massive question mark over your head. Like, is this guy really following Mm -hmm. Christ? Is he a believer that is committed to the work? Because Jesus was, Mm -hmm. he was committed. So I think that's an, one, it's an inspiring thing. It helps fight against that, um, laziness and then like a, um, 
easy believism. Yeah. Uh, fake, a faker. Have you heard uh, Paul Washer talking against like uh, cardinal Christian? No. Saying that that doesn't exist. No. There's no such thing as a cardinal Christian. Hmm. And people have pushed back on him, but like, well, Paul wrote about living in carnality. It's like, well, the point is you cannot be a Christian mm-hmm. that is carnal. Carnal. I used to say that, man. Oh, it's just a carnal Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it was huge in the circles that I walked in because of uh, to be carnally minded is death. And, and plus, Paul talks about um, those that in Corinth that seem to have a carnal mind. But was he talking to Christians? Well, that and like it's is is that the kind of mindset a Christian right. should be? Right. Like, hey, man, I don't know what you want from me. I'm one of those carnal I'm Christian just a carnal Paul Christian. talks about. It's an excuse. Like, yeah. That's horrible excuse. Show me anywhere in the Bible where that leads to life. Yeah. Um, first, P- uh, second Peter talks about it. Hebrews talks about it. It's very clear um, what's at the end of the road of charades yeah. or charade is mm. it's death. Yeah. So. This is just, uh, I think it's a good wake-up call, man, just to think about, I mean, Jesus is our example. Christ was about his Father's business. We should be about our Father's business. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's a lot of protection in there. So as you're listening and thinking through this, let, let this be what enters your mind now. Just start thinking about your mission. Start thinking, about, like, am I, am I, is there laziness in me? Is there um, a, a level of, uh, pseudo Christian? Am I pretending? Am I faking it? Like, what is the mission? So, especially as men, husbands, uh, we can speak to that. That um, that's not the way mm. of Christ. Um, so, as he, as the Father sent him, so he also sends mm. us. Yeah, so all authority has been like? given to me. Yeah, go now, therefore, yeah. into all the world. It's a going. Yeah, mission. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else? What are some maybe other? Yeah. Mm. I, sins tendencies that this could help us fight against yeah so laziness fake christianity um like apathy so Mm. that one man that one i definitely have fallen into and it's a scary place when you realize how little you don't care about something yeah um so yeah just apathetic the things of the world hearing of people's sin hearing of i mean trying to think of your own sin thinking about the lostness of your family mm. and your friends. And it all just goes, oh, what am I doing next? Right. Uh, I've definitely, definitely have fallen into that before. And uh, yeah, it's, I think I already, I'm talking in circles, but yeah, that's a scary place to be where you look around, you realize yeah. I feel nothing about the situation that I'm in. What a horrible place to be, man. And that, like this sting. So I just, the definition of apathy, lack of interest. So, I mean, that's like, pointed. You, yeah. Hmm, like, are you even interested in what this Christianity means? Hmm. So Christ was interested, like so interested, but not just that he was engaged. So this says lack of interest, hmm. lack of enthusiasm or lack of concern. Like, are you even concerned about what may happen to your soul, your family's soul, your children's soul? What does that mean for your mission and for your engagement of being about the Father's business? Mm. Could somebody find you where people find the people of the world? Mm. Like, if you're, if they're, like, put yourself in this situation. Um, hey, where's so and so? I don't know. Let me go. Let's go check the normal places. Yeah. Where where would people find you on an average day 
and uh, maybe maybe it ought to be that you're you're having to lay down some habits, some decisions, mm. some sins, so that you're able to be more engaged in the mission. So that people are like, hey, I know where to find him. Yeah, I know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's about his father's business. It's always been, you know, it might be a little tacky, but I've always I've always appreciated the analogy of if you were being tried for being a Christian, would there be sufficient evidence to condemn you? Right. And I kind mm-hmm. of think about that. It, there, there should be an abundance of evidence yeah. that you could not hide from the fact like, yeah, this person, this person lives for the yeah. one called Jesus Christ. Yeah. He actually not, doesn't just claim that Jesus alone is God, but he lives, yeah. lives that. Yeah. And, uh, he tells people about him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. I can't remember where I first heard that, but I've heard it a lot. I think, I think it's just solid. I think it's solid advice. It is solid. So we've got some sins that we can fight against. This is a great uh, example for us to look to. How about how then can Christians stay engaged in the business of the Father? So now we're going to just, let's look more at the positive. Mm. What do we need to do? How can we, as followers of Christ, stay engaged in the mission and the business of the Father? More works. Sorry, no. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> no, so the, op- I mean, not the opposite of that, but believe the gospel. Mm. Uh, under you know, per- pursue that. Pursue what it means to be in love with the God who condescended to your level, so mm. that you could be risen, uh, risen above, risen physically, yes, but risen mm. to to a new life. Yeah. Um, there's so much when you start firmly believing that, yeah. and that being your pursuit. Yeah. Um, belief falls eventually towards good works but if we're if we're just trying to work ourselves i think i think that's probably what grows apathy more and more and more is the you know not not thinking not believing anything but just trying to work past your mistakes mm. if you if you work harder than you fall then you'll be good and i think that's what builds calluses and that's what builds apathy yeah. you've got to start with the foundation of the gospel and believing it firmly before anything else yeah I, it's a good place to start. You got to start there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spurgeon pulls out a few things about this when he in the heading of how did how Jesus did his father's business, and he lists out a few things: his humility, his boldness, his his prayerfulness. All of these things worked towards two primary purposes. And Spurgeon says, as a justifying righteousness for the elect, and as a perfect pattern for imitation. But that one part, as a justifying righteousness for the elect, everything that Jesus did about his father's business uh, was to live perfectly for the father Mm -hmm. to become our righteousness. So when you're saying what we must first do is believe the gospel, that's why that has to happen first, is because without righteousness imputed to you or believing that that righteousness is yours, you have no strength, no no power, no ability to do... um, to live the Christian life. Hmm. You can't deny s- sin and flesh on your own strength. You have to mm-hmm. put your put your faith in Christ and believe the gospel. So that's mm-hmm. ongoing thing. And then another thing I think would be just understanding the battle. When I picture Jesus, even at 13, saying, I'm about my father's business, he, I, I don't know, I, I this is obviously reading into the text, but as he's beginning to announce even to his parents, like, hey, I'm about my father's business. I don't know. I just picture the enemy and the mm. the, the spiritual forces of wickedness being like, oh, 
oh, it's it's a it's about to get real. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's on the scene and he's doing. I mean, he was already the attempt was already made to snuff him out as as a child. So mm-hmm. here he is at thirteen and he's engaging and uh, in the temple at thirteen years old, teaching, asking questions, uh, learning, and uh, so that's another part of it: understanding the battle, get engaged in the battle. So that's one thing you can do. How can Christians stay engaged in the business of the fa- business of the father? The father understand that it is a battle mm. and, and get engaged with it the way that Scripture instructs us to uh, through prayer, through uh, taking God's word into your heart richly, um, believing the gospel. But understand that there's a spiritual battle against you, mm-hmm. um, and if you don't, if you relent, uh, you, you, yeah, you will be you will be crushed. Yeah. Um, and you will be, uh, yeah, you'll see, you'll see, you won't see fruit. You'll mm-hmm. see uh, decay, mm-hmm. yeah, in your family, in your spiritual life. What else, man? Yeah. Um, look, look to Jesus. I mean, that's the, mm. I think that's, <laughs> I don't know if Spurgeon had a verse, but, uh, you know, that's what he, that's how he heard the gospel. Uh, I think that's, how he carried that with him throughout the rest of his life and his preaching and his writing is look unto him, mm. look unto him who takes away the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that was John the Baptist's cry. Behold, yep. behold the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the, the bronze serpent in the pole on the pole. It's look, just look upon the savior mm-hmm. and you will find refuge. You'll find salvation. You'll find, um, not health, wealth, and prosperity, but you will find everything. You mm. will find fulfillment um, because of because of the man, the God man, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, that that be your pursuit. I think that's more so when you put those three things together. I think that's probably what should be understood by James when he says, "Faith without works is dead." It's like mm. those two things. You cannot be separated from one another. Your faith cannot be apart from your works. Your works cannot be a part of your, uh, separate from your faith. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is Jesus is faith in the gospel. It's understanding the battle. It's looking upon him. Those things work together because we were, we were saved for good works, but, but look unto him. Um, yeah, I think people have to come to a place where they just, you, you literally just say, I'm, I'm, now, from this point forward, I'm going to be about my father's business. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do this. Uh, this has nothing to do with the social media post that I made earlier about being lazy and making excuses. But yeah, it, it is that there's so many excuses yeah. of why somebody's not doing what they're supposed to be doing, why they're not reading the word, why they're not taking their families to church, why they're not loving their spouses the way that God has told them to do mm-hmm. it. And it's just excuses and excuses. But if somebody would to, were to sit humbly before the Father and repent and say, now, today, I'm going, to, I'm going to do this by your help and your strength. I'm going to be about your business and do it by the means that God has given through the church, mm-hmm. through help and brothers and Christians and all around you and the teaching of the word. God In the spirit of God, mm-hmm. this is what God's given us to do. Yeah. Yep. Stop being lazy and making excuses. Yeah. And I need to hear that just as much as I'm sure. telling it. Right. Um, Cause I am, my flesh wants to make excuses all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, do you think it's as simple as that? Like, Hey, 
make a decision today to say, didn't you know mm-hmm. I should be, I would be about my father's business like, mm-hmm. and, and then make that commitment? A hundred percent. So I thought, I just thought of uh, Peter when he sees Jesus on the water. Um, it's like he, he had that faith, Lord, if you command me to come out, I'll, I will. Yeah. And so he had work. He, you know, that was, that was good. Get up and go. Uh, his problem was looking away from Jesus, taking yeah. his eyes off him and worrying about the work in front of him. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is that simple of just go. There's, there's no magical formula for this Christian walk. It's so basic and simple that our stupid human minds have to put all of this stuff in front of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's not, shouldn't, it's not that way. But shouldn't we pray about it first? No, you should just do the work that God has called you to do. That's, <clears throat> that's something that changed a lot over the last four years for me is if I wanted to do something, it was pray about it, discover it, you know, like do all these things. Like maybe, maybe you just put your faith in the Lord you understand what scripture says of what wise things are and what unwise things are, what righteousness and unrighteousness looks like. So just move in the direction of righteousness and keep your eyes on Christ and he'll direct your path. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I'm all about this. Be still and know that I'm God. I'm all about waiting on the Lord. I think that is, those are key disciplines that you learn. But when you read scripture, you see a far, you see far more going than you do waiting. You see a lot more action and activity because of the spirit of God that fills people like mm-hmm. the Bible is a book of actions there. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are doing things. And so I think we often, we, we find this tension of, um, well, the gospel isn't one of works. And so we have, I think we have a hard time telling people to just do something mm-hmm. like, no, go do it. Yep. Just do it in the power of the spirit. The spirit is an invisible being person. That's what Paul did. He went around and then the Holy spirit stopped him. And so he would stop <laughs> How and much? then he would wait. <laughs> yeah. But he was, yeah, but he was active, right? Right. He, he had to be moving. He's like, I was stop. going to you until the spirit prevented me. And how do we know what and those then things are? he got moved are? in a different direction. Like how do, what are those? It's going to be different for each person. If God wants to stop you, he'll stop you. Yeah. But use wisdom have God's word in your heart. So you have a general idea of what steps you're taking, whether they're yeah. biblical or not. And ask yeah. God for wisdom and move in the direction of kingdom work, doing yeah. the father's business. Because there are trials. Like, yeah. Like uh, with Aaliyah planning to go out to Nepal, mm-hmm. if she were to take the first time they said, no, you need to change your photo. I was like, oh, that's an obstacle. It's like, well, well no. <laughs> maybe that's... It's <laughs> good. That came up, actually. Maybe that's not an obstacle, but yeah. maybe that's just something for you to persevere through. So... Yeah. You don't, you don't stop whenever there's a sudden change in your plan. Right. And then you also don't jump on every single opportunity ever that ever existed to save the world because yeah. that's unrealistic. That's mm-hmm. why the scripture is filled with wisdom about being steward, your wife, your family, your church responsibilities, the leadership of elders. I think people should rely on their elders so much more than they do. Mm. They just live their personal Christian faith away from the church and they make decisions outside of the church mm-hmm. where we're not Catholic. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not waiting for the magistrate to tell us what we need to believe, but we should be, we should be relying on the elders that God has placed in front of us. And we said, we believe you. Yeah. We believe your leadership and we believe your spiritual guiding. I'm just going to leave all of these spiritual decisions to myself and leave you out of it. People need to rely on their church more. I agree. There's my soapbox. (laughs) There's your soapbox. Are you done? No, but we should move on. (laughs) 
Um, what what do you think? Uh, just glance down at this outline and what stands out as. I guess the biggest blessing that we can just share again, he did past, present, future. The business is ongoing. Mm. What really encourages you and that like you could just say, Hey, listeners be encouraged by this. Uh, the outline itself. So how Jesus did, how Jesus does and how Jesus shall guys, that's not something to ignore mm. that, that the son has completed a work for you. He does continually petition for you before the father and actively loving you and searching you out. And he's made promises for you for the future. Um, don't, don't overlook that, brothers and sisters, that the Lord is a perfect. That's actually one of the advocates. Maybe I should. Uh, that's one of the points I should have just said that. As a counselor and advocate, like he, he is perfect at that. And he will, he has done everything. He is doing everything. And mm -hmm. he has laid everything out in front of you. So just look to him and he will guide your path. Amen. And then I would add uh, my, my, I guess, most of the, one, something that encourages me in this is the final point in looking to the future, what he shall do. He's going to continue to do the father's business. And he, he brings up uh, this idea of the conquering of Satan and leading captivity, leading captivity captive by judging mm -hmm. the world in righteousness. Uh, the people of God should be about their father's business. And so there is, uh, there is this sense that um, uh, if, we can, if we do the father's business, like you mentioned a moment ago, well, there's going to be opposition and mm. Satan is going to try to derail us. Yes, that's going to happen. But this business is ongoing. Jesus is still interceding for us. He's still the conquering king. And uh, he is the one who has gone out to conquer and mm -hmm. he has conquered. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there is a future doing away with sin and all opposition to the gospel that is coming. And that is a hopeful thing mm. that he is going to continue to do the father's business. And that's now through the church. And it's an encouraging, encouraging thing to hold on to. Um, let me see if I can end with a quote here from Spurgeon out of this sermon. Um, let's see. Uh, I've got a little bit of a chunk here to read. I'm trying to find it. Um, he says this, Behold then, how great an interest God the Father takes in the work of salvation. It is called His business. And though Jesus Christ came to accomplish our redemption, came to set us a perfect example, and to establish a way of salvation, yet He came not upon His own business, but upon His Father's business his father taking as much interest in the salvation of men as even he himself did. The great heart of the father being as full of love as the bleeding heart of the son and the mind of the first person of the Trinity being so tenderly affected towards his chosen as even the mind of Jesus Christ, our substitute, our surety, and our all. It is the father's business. So just awesome things to think about and ponder I'm grateful for this sermon and the ability to just kind of look at it talk about it encourage some people amen yeah, man. let's be about the father's business no excuses nope no excuses no quarter no excuses yeah is that the name yeah. of the episode no excuses that's not bad yeah, yeah we, we could do better yeah we could tune it up i guess we'll bit. see yeah send in your requests after hearing this what we should name the episode and <laughs> We might go back and <laughs> read it. No, we're going to go back and edit it. No, it's because it's, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to us, our brothers and sisters. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So we'll, 
see you next on the flippity flip on the, the all right see you on the flippity flip there we go haven't done that in a while <laughs> <laughs> bye <laughs>